Thank you for visiting New Song Community Church on the web at newsongpdx.com. We pray that you will be blessed by listening to the message today. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the word every Sunday at 10 a.m. We are located on the corner of Russell Street at 2511 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in Portland, Oregon. And if you stand to your feet, we're going to read the word of God and we're going to the word of God. There's, I don't know, there's a spirit of anticipation here today. Anybody sense that? It was interesting before the service even started, and I think it was kind of provoked by some folks feeling that there's nothing magical that I have available. I want to tell you that up front. But I had four people approach me on prayer about some pretty serious stuff because of the testimony that Kim gave last week that God healed her. Don't you know God can heal you right now? It's not about me, it's about Him. You're in the place where healing flows from the house of God. And so as we read the Word of God, I want you to anticipate the fact a couple of things is He can heal, heal your body, but He can also heal your soul. Amen. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 9, you'll find the, the, <clears throat> the words on the screen for the opposite verses for you to read. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and you, your soul <clears throat> excuse me, shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you and the sure the mercies, mercies of David. Surely you shall call a, a nation you do not know, the nation who, who do not know, you, have, you shall run to, run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him to our God who will abundantly pardon Verse 9 together, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's pray. Father, today, you're going to speak to us on that, that dry part, part of us, that you're going to speak into our souls today those things that would cause us to thirst and to hunger for the right things. Well, we've been on this, this journey for the last three weeks, and this will be the fourth week. And today, at the conclusion of what you would want to do to us or do through us, I pray, God, that we would just find ourselves insatiably uh, pursuing the things that, that go lead to everlasting life. Holy Spirit, be our teacher today, and we'll give you all the glory and the honor praise, for we ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Look someone in the eye and tell them this. I'm thirsty but I'm going to be filled with Jesus today. <laughs> Go ahead and have a seat. <laughs> My statement to you today would go like this. 
It would be hard for me to imagine that anyone could have ever escaped the pain of dissatisfaction of an experience with food that grossly disappointed their expectation of, the, uh, <clears throat> of something that was promised to be delectably delightful. In other words, ever been to a restaurant, they told you, oh, the food here is just, and it didn't turn out that way? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> for there was the aroma of the food source that seemed to prepare your taste buds for an exotic experience of culinary expression. Somehow, it was met with gross disappointment that only intensified your pain of hunger. Before we can move on from our teaching regarding spiritual hunger, I believe that we must take time to acknowledge the need to stir up our hunger for God. Can I get an amen? amen. How does that happen? There's three things I want to talk to you about today, and I, they probably won't be the easiest ones, but I think they'll be very impactful. Number one is this. When was the last time that you responded to the urge and desire to read the Word of God? I didn't say which... Was the, when was the last time it was on your calendar of events? Because I think it's a wonderful thing to have a, a fellowship time, to have a time that you read the Word every morning, read the Word every night. But when's the, time, when's the last time it was all of a sudden spontaneously you just had to go to the Word of God because you had a hunger for it? Amen. How about number two? Are you totally convinced of the value and necessity of spiritual nourishment? I think oftentimes we wait until we're just almost near, near to, close to death before we'll reach out to the Word of God. But the last one, I think, is probably the most telltelling one. If you were to rate your hunger for the Lord on a scale of 1 to 10, what number would you be on the scale? Or would there be any evaluation? I want to take us to a place I think it will help us. When we lose something of value we will not be satisfied until we find it. Luke chapter 15, verses four through six. Pretty simple story. <clears throat> what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Go on to verse six. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Anybody ever lost anything? Say yes. I don't need to have a real vote on that. But let's evaluate what you lost. We must be willing to admit that something of value has been lost. And um, we must be willing to mourn the loss of something that is important to us. And I wonder why is, how important is it to you or to me that we haven't had fellowship with the Lord on the nature of where it's really feeding our soul and we're becoming more like Jesus. Well, what about this? We will never miss something that was not valuable to us. Ever lost your car keys? When you needed to go somewhere? All right, some of you guys ever lost a remote? I gotta get down with some of you folks because <laughs> it's some of you and you are tearing the place up. But I'll tell you what, it isn't lost, you are lost. You can't remember where you put it. Because it can't go nowhere unless you put it there. 
But we get all upset and excited. I don't I just can't believe this. You know something? Your keys, your remote, and all of a sudden, they aren't lost. You are lost. Because they're right where you left it. If you're feeling lost and aloof and, and remotely, you know, ex, uh, extracted from God, guess who moved? God says, I'll never leave you. Evidently, you must have found a, an exit door and went out the side door. Well, let's look at this a little bit differently. The most dangerous place for a believer is to, ex, uh, dangerous place for a believer is to experience famine, famine without hunger. How can you experience famine without hunger? Many times we have this idea that some third world countries, some of them which are in Africa or in, in India or other places, where they show you these pictures of, of little children starving to death and, and with bloated stomachs and this type of thing. Oh, it's just so horrible about that starvation. Really? Or can we look at it from this standpoint? When we go for an extended time without reading and praying, we can be assured that our spiritual hunger is under attack. When it doesn't bother you to go for a week or, 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 no, or a month or so without reading the Bible, oh, that's right, I haven't read, I haven't read my, my, what you call it, bread of life little pamphlet. We got them at the Welcome Center if you need one. But they're not bookmarkers. There's something to help you. To, I, tell me, I'm going to leave it alone because I, I get sidetracked. Only, we only discover what is missing when we realize the importance place that it holds in our life. And that's it's interesting. You know, we don't realize things until we're actually in trouble. Dryness without thirst is a condition that we will endure when we choose to believe that we can make it without water. Well, that's foolishness. But somehow we just don't make preparation for the times, and we just take for granted that we'll always feel like we feel right now. Right now in church, you guys are feeling pretty good. Like, oh, praise God, Holy Spirit. But get out of here on your way home. And by the time you get to the freeway, you can't, won't remember a thing that was said or a song that was sung. And I wonder why that happens or how that happens. And I believe it's because we don't allow the Holy Spirit to saturate the real part of us that needs to be nurtured on a daily basis. It only gets to the surface. Do you know why water oftentimes only gets to the surface? Because the surface that it comes to is hard and it can't penetrate it. We need to pray every time we come into the house of God that God would soften our hearts to receive the word of God that it may find a place to, to, to nestle, to spring up into everlasting life. Can I get an amen on that? Well, we must learn to prioritize the things that, we tru that are truly important to us. Psalm 63.1 says this. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now, I'll leave that up there for a moment. This is not a petition for you people that don't get up early. But it's one of those things that says, early will I seek you. The early part I want to say to you is I will seek you before 
it is necessary, early will I seek you, at the very symptom of the fact that I may be getting dry, I'll seek you at that particular point. Sometimes you can wait till it's too late. Really? So early will I seek you, and my thirst for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Sometimes we're trying to seek to get nourishment, we're trying, we're trying to get our, our thirst satisfied from the wrong place. And that's what causes devastation of your soul. Focusing on what is missing establishes the value of it in our spirit. But here's another piece. Admitting to others how much we value what has been lost. The first story talks about the whole idea of a lost sheep. And the Bible talks about, and actually in that particular scripture, in Luke chapter 15, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. In each case, it was the fact that those things were pursued except for the last one. The father didn't go looking for the sheep, for, for the son. The son eventually realized how much he needed the father. Other things can be lost, but you know, at, at that, this particular point where the lost sheep was, was the one, when he realized how much he needed his father, he said, I will arise and go to my father. I'm the one that's lost, He's, and I'll go to him, and I will put myself in the right relationship with him. Sometimes we have to realize how bad off we are than how much we need Jesus. Matter of fact, all the time. Well, let's examine this a little bit further. Admit to others, and rejoicing over putting this back in its rightful place will be the peace in our heart. And I know in the dry and thirsty environment that we might be here to try to find something spiritual to attach ourselves to, it's sometimes difficult to put ourselves in the mindset of how much we really honestly and truly need God. But here's something I think that will, will probably jog many of us. We must be aware that we cannot just come to the Lord whenever, whenever we want. You need a scripture on that, John 6, 44. Let's go there. No one can come to, the, to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. This is a very profound scripture. And I think it deals with the part of us that all of us have to really evaluate. Because we kind of treat God that, well, I'll get, to it, get around to it when I want to or when I have more time. But when you have more time, guess what? The desire isn't there. Because the time has passed. And <clears throat> it's interesting for us to know that we, we, we want to compartmentalize God to the certain degree that we are in control. And I'll do it at this time. I'll do it at that time. And if you think you can control your relationship with God like this, that he's kind of an errand boy and you push the, push the bell when you want to have something done, it doesn't work like that. But unfortunately, our culture, unfor and, and in, a, in America, it's kind of, we kind of can get to that place pretty easily because we're, we're used to Googling. We want, I want to Google that. I, need, I don't have to worry about looking at I just Google, Google, what is going on today? Google, set my alarm to wake me up and so and so. Google, show me the right place to have lunch. Well, what if your battery's dead and Google ain't working? Well, I'm going to leave that alone. But... 
how do you, how do you deal with that when it's, you know, that people just kind of deal with you on their particular basis? Now, some of you have kids, and if you don't have kids, here's a lesson with kids. You can tell the difference between your kids when they're buttering you up for something later on. They're extremely nice. If the room's clean, this other type of thing, get ready. They're about to ask you for something. Do you think that God just can't figure that out? Oh, they're just, they're, they're reading the Bible, doing this other type of thing, because we got something, we feel that's in the back of our mind. He knows your thoughts, your ideas, and all this other type of stuff. You say, I'm just going to read my Bible, this other type of thing, because you've got an agenda in mind. Well, let's look at this from this perspective. We do not have control that we think we have in regard to pursuing the Lord. The scripture says, seek you the Lord while he may be found. It's not like God is playing hide and seek. It's when the real passion is there, that's the time to seek the, seek the Lord because it won't always be there. That's what we call a dry time in our spirit. We, to assume <clears throat> excuse me, that we can come to the Lord whenever we feel the urge is not true. I had, had, the, had them insert this particular scripture. It wasn't originally in my notes, but I was, preach, I was praying this morning. And we're going to go into Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 through 14. I think this will help paint the picture for you a lot more clearly. Jeremiah. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's the only time you can really have a connection with God. But sometimes we go into this thing half-heartedly. Well, I guess I should pray. I guess I should read my Bible because, you know, that's probably the right thing to do. How do you know when you're wholeheartedly seeking God when there's not a problem around? Is that the only time when you really seek God? God is going to expose to all of us, myself included, the 911 experiences that we have with Him. We only do that at a particular time. Let me just go to the next part. It says, I will be found <clears throat> by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I need to tell some of us today, not necessarily all of us, but some of you are being held hostage by the enemy. Your thoughts are being held hostage. Your desires are being, being in, in, are being take over by the things that really don't belong in your life. Then it goes a little bit further by saying, and <clears throat> we'll bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you, you to be carried away captive. Why do you use that scripture? I need to say this. Some of you are in bondage right now. And if you'll admit it, God says you can be set free. Because you say, well, I just don't pray like I want to. You know why? Because you've been held captive in bondage by the things of the enemy. And God wants to set you free. 
So you can have that relationship you've always wanted to have with him. So it's amazing that God wants us to bring you to the place where which I caused you to be carried away captive. Why did he cause you to be carried away captive? Because you wouldn't listen in the time when you were, set, when you were free. I could give you a whole list of things, and I don't want to go into it now because it'll be a, another message soon. But how Israel, they'd be out of bondage, then they go into captivity, and they, they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It seems like it's a story of their life. And you know something? Unfortunately, it's a story of our lives if we don't learn this particular lesson. We must not learn, we must learn not to quench the spirit when, he, when we are drawn by him. Hmm. Here's a question for me, and I'll let you listen in. Do I seek the Lord not only when there's only a crisis, or have I ignored the Lord when he is drawing me into his presence and I try to push it off, I'll get to that later. How do you feel when someone puts you off? Do you feel important? Do you realize that the Bible talks to us, and this is a part I haven't talked to you about yet, but I believe this is the part for many of us in this room. And before we leave this room, we need, to re- we need to resolve this. It's called grieving the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? By ignoring him when he's prompting you. Because he only wants to do you good. Wow. Now here's... The next little aspect of it. It is the will of God for us to pray for spiritual hunger. Praying for spiritual hunger is a prayer that the Lord loves to answer. And I love this. Revelation chapter 2, verses 4, four, and four through 5. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen... Repent, do the first works over, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Oh, that is rough. But here's the part that we need to realize. is this, nevertheless, I have this one thing against you, that you've left your first love. We must allow our memory to take us back to the times when you were passionate about your pursuit of Jesus. Can I just take you for a moment? Would you allow me to to go with you? And I'll let you frame this however you need to in your mind. What was it like when you first accepted Jesus? How did you feel? What was the expression in your heart? What was the, the, that moment when you knew that you got your heart right with God? Can I take you there just for a moment? And, and if you could describe it just in a few words, I don't, we can't each grab a mic and tell, tell us about it, but think about it, but describe in your mind, what was it like when you realized that you were saved, that Jesus brought you, brought you a new life, that you became a, a brand new believer? Somehow, it electrified you to the point that you were totally brand new. There was a smile on your face, there were tears running down your street, whatever it was. But somehow we forgot. I'm not asking you to relive that experience over and over again to get close to Jesus. But I will in submitting this to you that we must allow our hearts to embrace the honesty that there were times that we loved the presence of the Lord more than we do now. Or 
has become so familiar that we no longer desire that. And you who have no money, come and buy. Back to Isaiah 51.1. We must discover why we spend our time on things that do not satisfy our need or hunger. Can I take you folks over here? I'll be back. I want you to focus on the things that, that really you really enjoy to spend your time on. And just, and just take about 10 seconds, pull something up on the screen that you really enjoy. And I'm not going to describe what it might be because some of you have a number of different things. Then I want you to take another moment and discover, and how does that compare to the time you spend with Jesus? Which one do you enjoy the most? I'm letting them marinate. How about you guys? The things of the Spirit, do they have an attraction do they have an adhesion to your spirit to the degree that you would rather do the things of the spirit than the things of the flesh? Uh, for some of us, we don't have to think about it very long because we're indicted. But this is the, the goal of this message today is not to indict you, but it's to free you to have a relationship with Jesus. We cannot put a price tag on the abundance of life that the Holy Spirit will give us. We must be willing to admit the things that we spend our time on and money on do not satisfy. Or what about this? If we are inclined, incline our ear, our soul shall live. Verse Isaiah 55, 3. Get that scripture up there. And it says something. Isaiah 55, 3 is coming. It's coming today. I feel it. I sense it. You have a sweetheart. It's coming. Ah, there it is. Incline your ear and come to me, here and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. You know, there was a time in David's life <clears throat> that he really messed up. Psalm 55 talks about it. But one thing he says, Lord, don't ever take your Holy Spirit from me. Once the Holy Spirit is gone, I'm done. In the Holy Spirit is not only love and understanding and, and surrounding, but it's also the conviction of being able to know right from wrong. Going a little bit further, pursuing the Lord, <clears throat> Lord is time sensitive. Isaiah 55, verses 6 to 8, will, real quickly says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You know, there's sometimes you seek the Lord and it's like, Yeah, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and hear from God. It's not a push-button situation. Now, is God stalemating you? I don't think so. But I think at some particular time, we, we have this expectation that it's going to be on our terms. It's not going to be on Seek the Lord while you, you may be found. Leave the verse up there, sweetheart, and then we'll get the rest of it. Isaiah 55, 6 through 8. Ta-da. It's going to appear. There we go. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways. Your ways, my ways, says the Lord. Well, well, we cannot approach the things of the Spirit with our timeline. We must be willing to forsake our agenda, our thoughts and our actions coming to align with the Lord's. If we truly desire to experience satisfaction from our spiritual dryness, we must be willing 
to return our wholeheartedly to the things of God. So we cannot serve God out of duty. It's Sunday. We need to go to church. But what were you doing Saturday? Or Friday? Or Tuesday? I love the fellowship of this house. I love the fellowship of singing songs together. I love the worship time that we have together. But you know something? Sunday is the time that we learn about God, we worship together, but the, those, those are the days of your life that you really discover a relationship of closeness with Jesus. And this is what we're going to discover in the, the very fact that we do things is that uh, when we are seeking the things of the Lord, we must keep focusing on the one thing. Remember last week we talked about the time when Mary and Martha, they're together, and Martha is, is ticked at Mary. Tell her to come in here and help me with dinner. And Jesus said this, she's chosen the one thing that you'll not always feel. And the one thing is to be in my presence and to learn at my feet. I want to take you to the last part of this message because I believe that God wants to speak some things directly into folks' lives. But I want to tell you the real problem, as I see it, that will hamper us. We must overcome the fear of people not staying with us. First Samuel chapter 13, verse seven through 14. Before we get to the scripture, she's pulling that up. Saul has been appointed king. And above, and actually he's a king by default because it wasn't originally God's intent for them to have a king, but they said, we want a king like everybody else wants to have a king. And so the search was put on and God allows him to be appointed king and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he had this one particular thing. God says, okay. And so the prophet doesn't come. Samuel doesn't come. But he knows one thing that you cannot do as being king. There are the sacrifices that come before God. That is not your job. Don't you even try it. Don't even try to sacrifice or pull the sacrifices off. That belongs to the man appointed by the prophet of God. And Saul knew this. And God says, the day you do that, your, your life is over. You're, as far as you being king, you're done. Kind of setting the backdrop for it. So here we go. <clears throat> and some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan at the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gil- Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Okay, next verse, please. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. We'll stop right there. What? Saul, did you forget? That's not your job. Well, let's move a little bit further and you'll find out why. Now, now, I didn't finish it, verse 10. Let's go back to verse 10. Okay. Now, it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. 
And Samuel said, what have you done? I'm going to ask you a question. What have you done that would cause separation between you and the Lord? That's contradictory to something that you know you shouldn't have done. Let's just process that for a moment and we'll finish the scripture and we'll be about done. And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made a supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and I offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord, <clears throat> for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Just hold it right there for a moment. Ever made a, a mistake that's irreversible? I say, well, Jesus, forgive me. You're right. He'll forgive you. But there's some things you'll set in motion because of disobedience that you'll, wear, you'll bear the residue of it for the rest of your life. Oh, you're forgiven. You're going to heaven. But it'll be a mark upon you because you knew what you were supposed to, but you chose not to do it. See, we've got grace confused with the fact of, of it being kind of something that God applies a situation. Ali, Ali, all come free. We're not going to forget about that. There's some things, there are consequences for your, for your disobedience. Now let's finish the scripture and then we're going to go in to this. And so, but now your kingdom shall not continue. Continue. For the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be a commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Is this to try to scare anybody? No. It's just to remind us that we forfeit things and we can't blame God for it. So, so we must be willing to obey the Lord when our flesh desires to comfort the comfort of man's support. And a lot of times we get in trouble is we're leaning more to, to man's side of the equation than God's side. We know what God said, but men can talk us out of the things that are the principles of God to keep us into alignment with the word of God. Simply put, Saul was aware that, he, uh, that the people were leaving, excuse me, he was aware that he was to operate under God's word, but Saul had a great fear of being, feeling personally abandoned. Can I capture your attention for these last few moments and ask you this question? How many decisions have you made that affected your life because you were afraid of what people thought of you? How many things hinder your worship because of your fear of how people will respond to you? If I lift my hands, they'll think this. Or if I don't do this, they'll think that. But here's Saul, the most powerful man in the nation, and he knew. But because people started leaving, because Samuel didn't come at the, the, the appointed time, he says, well, I'm going to do the sacrifice. Even though I know I'm not supposed to do it, I'm going to do it because of fear of people. Here's what I believe needs to happen today. 
that Saul found its security in people, but we must be aware of our vulnerability to seek the approval of man rather than the approval of God. I want to close this service with something that I believe that has been the goal of us all talking about this idea, or even the concept of, of God working in our lives to the degree that we get to know him on the basis of being spiritually hungry. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here, but here's, here's what, what's going to happen. You say it's a little bit early. No, it's, this is right on time because there's some things that need to marinate in our spirits. As I say some closing remarks here, I want you to stop and focus in on, on the thoughts and the way that you govern your life that are governed by people's opinion of you. There's times I've, I've asked people to come forward or to lift their hands or whatever it happens to be. And the reason why people don't do that is because of the fear of what people, other people will think about them so they don't. Or maybe they're invited to come down front and be prayed for. And this is not an appeal to try to make the altar calls look bigger. But I want to tell you, if you're operating in that particular way of, of your life, it will not serve you well. Because if we, if we have a spiritual hunger within ourselves and we decide whether we're going to eat of the spiritual food of God or sit in our seat and starve to death because we don't want people to know how hungry we are, that's a very foolish thing to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Today is a day of reckoning to the hearts of men and of women because the Holy Spirit has been directing from the very beginning of this service that you and myself included need to reframe our reframe our identity around the cause of knowing Jesus in the way that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And I believe that God is speaking to some folks here today that this is the day for you to, to put your life completely in the hands of God. I'm also speaking to folks here that have strayed away from the Lord because of other people that you value their opinion more than you value the fact of the Holy Spirit that's been, been talking to you. My prayer today is to move beyond the curtain of the front that you're trying to build for other folks and to get to the place of where you're really thirsty and hungry for God and you want to be filled with His presence. Thank you for listening today. We pray that you have been blessed by listening to the message. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the Word every Sunday at 10 a.m. If you have a prayer need, we welcome you to submit it through our website. We'd love to pray for you. Will you consider supporting us with your prayer and financial gifts? God bless you.